0: If you'll join with me, today's scripture reading is from Matthew 5, 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world, A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Morning. It's good to be here. Last week, I kind of missed you guys. I didn't get to come and be up here and hang out with you, but I really just want to say I really appreciated Nathan Brocker stepping in and teaching, and I, I just felt like he gave a really good word to our church. So thanks, Nathan, for, for um, putting the time in to, to teach. Uh, I think Nathan has a gift of teaching, so it was great to have him here. And I missed you, but I woke up, whoo, yes. Um, Mr. missed you guys, but I woke up next to Lake Tahoe, and within five minutes of waking up, I was paddleboarding on Lake Tahoe. So it wasn't a horrible Sunday for me either. Uh, it was pretty great. So glad that you made it. Um, I'm glad that we are together this morning. Would you pray again with me this morning? We're going to look at God's word together. God, in this, in this sacred moment, God, help us just take a breath and to know that we are loved by you, to know that you care about us more than we know, to know that your grace is bigger than all our mistakes, to know that you look at us with compassion, you care about what we're going through. God, in this place, may your spirit speak to us through the scriptures. May you just open up our eyes and our ears to your voice through the scriptures, God, Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. So over the past several weeks, we've looked at some foundational truths from the scriptures about who we are, who God is, who we are, and how it works that God makes us into new people, that God forms us, that God transforms us into the image of Christ. Richard Foster popularized this phrase, the with God life, a with God life. Kind of life. And that is the kind of life we want to lean into, a, a with God life through every minute of our days. Um, I want to read you a very, very old quote from Ignatius about the with God life. He wrote, The goal of our life is to live with God forever. God, who loves us, gave us life. Our own response of love allows God's life to flow into us without limit. Our only desire and our one choice should be this, I want and I choose what better leads to the deepening of God's life in me. Can I get an amen? Amen. Our only desire and our one choice should be this, I want and I choose what better leads to the deepening of God's life in me. So we have choices throughout our lives, throughout our days, even minute by minute sometimes, Do I choose what better connects me to the spirit, to to the vine? Do do, do I choose to walk closer? Do Do I choose to make choices where I can hear God's voice more easily, sense God's love more easily? Or I can make choices to go the other direction, which Paul writes about Ephesians 4. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. So we make these choices to, to kind of walk more closely with God, to sense God's love. And then we can make these choices to, to, to walk away from sensing God's presence, to, to walk away from the vine, away from God's ways. We're going to look at the Sermon on the Mount for the next few weeks with, with some really practical teaching about how we live as humans on planet Earth And before we do that, I I, I want to point out something that if we sense God's love, if we know that we are loved by God deep in our core, if we know that God's grace is good, if we can hear the Spirit's voice as we're connected, then God in us enables us to walk in this new way. Amen? Like it's God in us, a connection to God. So if we have that deep sense of rootedness in God, in God's love, in the fact that we are children of God and that's who we are, then, then walking in the Sermon on the Mount can become a natural thing, like a, a normal outflowing of knowing that God loves us, of knowing God's ways and wanting to follow them and trust them. If we don't have a sense of how much we're loved and cared for by God, and we just try to work really hard and obey the Sermon on the Mount, you're going to end up just banging your head up against a wall and trying really hard. But we need God to move in us to live out this Sermon on the Mount. So for the next few weeks, we're going to look at parts of what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount and really explore together, God, how can we live this out together? This way that you taught us, how can we live this in our daily lives in practical ways? Information is really good, right? Especially if it's the truth. The truth is is something we need. We need real information about life. But there's so much information, and for many of us, a lot of our growth edges are, how do I take the truth and integrate it into my life? right? How how do I take this good teaching that I've heard from the scriptures, and how do I integrate it into how I actually live my days? So the Sermon on the Mount is something that can really really help us with this. And Jesus, in the beginning of his ministry, he called a few disciples together. And then in Matthew 4.23, it says that he was teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. And it says that crowds began to follow him. And then in this beginning, Matthew 5, it says, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. So we're gonna look at one of these first little teachings in the Sermon on the Mount. And I am still struck and moved by the fact that we can sit here and look at the teachings of Jesus from 2,000 years ago. Like I know maybe we're just used to that and that just seems commonplace, but could we pause for a minute and think, Jesus, like the Jesus, God's son, taught people how to live and people remembered it, right? And they told the stories and they wrote it down, and we get to look at these same words of Jesus. I I hope that evokes like some sense of awe and that kind of beauty and grandeur and the glory that we get to look at the teachings of Jesus. So I'm actually gonna invite you this morning, would you stand again, would you stand with me? Just out of a sense of honoring the fact that we get to look at the words of Jesus this morning. Like not words that I made up, right? not words that we just thought were cool, but the teaching of Jesus has been given to us. So I'm gonna read Matthew 5 starting in verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Why don't you take the seat? I'm going to read you a paraphrase um, from the message from Eugene Peterson that they kind of brings out different language and might help us see it differently. Eugene Peterson translated this, let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of the earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, You don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. In a commentary, a man named Matt Woodley writes that the Greek construction of the text is emphatic, and it would come out more like, you... Yes, you are the salt of the earth. In Greek, it comes out more like, you, yes, you are the light of the world. Like, you. Yes, yes, you are the ones. Can you imagine Jesus saying this to people? No, you, like, like, you guys, you all, you are the salt, you are the light of this broken world full of pain, and full of people who desperately need to know the love of God. Amen? I'm going to tell you something that's real that happened in Oakland the last couple of weeks. And I, I really prayed about if I wanted to to share this or not. But it's reality. And I'm stu- I've been studying this text of salt and light and then seeing the reality of life around us. In the last couple of weeks, there was a 52-year-old education activist lawyer who lived up the street from my house who was shot and killed in his house, a robbery. And it was murder number 108 in our city. And then this week, there was a 15-year-old girl driving in a car with her uncle and another car came up. They had some words um, out of nowhere and one person shot into a car and killed the 15-year-old girl in the car. So that, and that was like, like two blocks down from my house. So a friend sent me the news story and I immediately just grieved because it's, it's my neighborhood and it's a 15-year-old innocent girl and it brings home the reality of pain, of being lost, of people hurting, of violence, right? of the brokenness of humanity. And then my friend texted me, no, like that's our friend so-and-so who was driving the car. That's why I sent you that. Not that it's your neighborhood. That, that was our friend whose niece died. And so I, I sat there, like literally sitting, looking at these verses about being salt and light. And then the reality of the brokenness of our world and even the brokenness of our city, right? Right around us. Just punched me in the face. And it made me wrestle with this fact of, like, we can look at these verses and say, oh, that's, those are really great verses, right? Like that, like, that was good. That's good verses. And we can kind of keep it removed from the reality of, like, real life, right? Real humanity around us. So as we sit here, right, in this warm, like, I think this is a beautiful space to worship that, that, that God's given us. It's a beautiful space to worship surrounded by some really wonderful people in this room, right? Like, we have a really wonderful person, a guest uh, person, to come lead us in worship in God's presence. And in this moment, how can we sit in this place together and really realize this world really does need salt and light? These are not just, like, esoteric words in the clouds. This this world needs salt and needs light light and needs to know the hope and the love that is offered in Christ. Amen. So let's talk about salt and light, but can we talk about it in a way of like, this is real. Can can we talk about it not as far as like, well, I liked the sermon or didn't like it, or I liked the music or didn't like it, or, you know, like I liked where I sat or I didn't like it. But there's a reality, like God is really calling us to be salt and light. In a world that desperately needs it. So let, let's talk about salt and light for a, a few minutes and study it, and then really wrestle with what is God calling us to? A long time ago, salt was a big deal. In ancient times, like you needed salt. It preserved your food. Not only did it bring flavor to your food, but it preserved your food. You needed salt. It was necessary. It was helpful. It was good. And you can, there's commentaries that debate about what Jesus meant by how does salt lose its saltiness. Like, is it technically possible for salt to lose its saltiness? Is there a way, chemically, that could happen? Like, I don't really care. But Jesus is making a point. Like, if you have salt, it's good for salt, right? If it's not salty, like, it's not good anymore. I don't care. Like, you want salt to be salty, to be unique, right? To, to have that, that flavor. And you needed salt. So I, I have here, a couple of you notices, a little container of salt and there's a story behind it, okay? This little, can you guys see it? A little cute, try to get it on the video. It's a little container of salt. It's kosher salt actually, it has a lot of flavor. And for a few years, I've gone to some of my best friend's house and they have great, they're wonderful at hospitality. My family goes there often. And they have this you know part of their kitchen, like an open kitchen. And they have, they've had something like this sitting there for years. And every time I eat, I look at it and I think that looks really cool. And then I would start taking some of the, they have kosher salt in it, and I would take it and I would put it on whatever they had, and I'm like, that salt is awesome. Like, what is it about that salt? is so good. They're like, oh, it's kosher salt. It's different than the salt you have. So I asked my wife, hey, can we find kosher salt? Where do you, she's like, buy at the grocery store, hon. It's not that hard. It's kosher salt. Like, you can do that. And then I couldn't find it, like, cause I'm, you know, I'm dumb sometimes. So I couldn't find the kosher salt. Finally, she found the kosher salt, and I'm like, I have kosher salt. This was a couple months ago. And then I go to my friend's house a couple weeks ago. And we're in the backyard and my friend says, Nate, I have a present for you. And I'm like, it's like a Saturday in September, like my birthday's in February, why do you have a, she comes out, I just, there's something I had to buy you. I just had to, she comes out with this container. So it's the same container they have, she ordered it for me and she goes, I just, and I was like, that was so thoughtful. And she was like, not that thoughtful. You've said it every day for like years. Like every time you're like, I had, that's so awesome. So she's like, it really wasn't that thoughtful. It was like the most obvious thing ever that I should just order this for you, right? And like, now you have your salt. And you got your kosher salt and your little thing, and now it's like special. But no joke, when I put some of this kosher salt on food, it is so good. (laughs) Like I literally put it on everything. Like I make anything, like I just put some kosher salt on it and it like brings this flavor, right? Like something is so good. Like it, it, it brings all the flavor out. It makes it special, right? It makes it unique. I love it. It's good. And God's like, hey, you're salt. Like, you're the salt of the earth. Like, we need you. You bling the flavor out and, and you preserve things and you, you make it special and you make it unique and, and you bring this reality into the world and, and you need to be the salt and not lose your saltiness. Really. And then Jesus says, you're the light of the world. A town built on a hill can't be hidden. You don't put it, light a lamp and put it under a bowl but you put it on a stand. Look at these right here. Like you put it on a stand. Now, luckily we have electricity too, right? But if we didn't, we would need these to to see. You put it out there for us to see, you don't put it under a bowl. It'd be silly, right? It'd be dumb to light a lamp and put it under a bowl. So we need the salt and we need the light. They're necessary, they're helpful, they're, they're, they're good. Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You, church, are called to be unique in this world. You you, you are set apart for God's purposes, to spread God's love in this world. The, The end of this little teaching talks about doing good deeds, and it says, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So we don't act as salt and light so people can see how cool we are or to see that we're better, right? Or to see that we're, we're, we're special, we're, we're better than them. But we do good deeds. We act as salt and light to glorify our Father in heaven, that people could see these good deeds and catch a glimpse of the love of the Father towards them. A Father who loves all of the humans deeply on this earth, even the ones that we don't like that much, right? A father that loves all of humanity and wants all to be saved, and wants all to have the hope and the love that is offered by God. I'm reminded in this idea of, of us doing good deeds and doing it for others of, this has always been a part of God's plan. In the Old Testament, there's something called the Abrahamic covenant. God makes a covenant with his people And the covenant is, I will bless you so that you can be a blessing to the world. I won't just bless Israel just to bless Israel, but I want to bless Israel so that Israel can be the way that God blesses the whole world. So there's always been this idea in scriptures of God saying, you're my people. I love you. I will protect you. I will care for you. And I am calling you to be my hands and feet, to to bless the world, to help the world, to be Unique in this world to spread God's love and healing to everyone. Later in the New Testament, 1 Peter echoes this this ending of this passage we looked at. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. May people see how we live, see how we love, and may that point people to the love of the Father that they so desperately need in our world. So, you're the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. That's a big, grandiose idea, right? It's a big, lofty idea that Jesus taught. So, like, how do you... How do you land that plane? Like, what is, what is that? Like, we have hints of what that looks like. How do we do that? And one of the ways we do that, I actually really appreciated Nathan's sermon, which I watched on handy, Vimeo video online, pointing out that we need to be a part of the body, like connected to the body. And when Jesus first said this, he didn't say it to one person. He said it to his disciples together, okay? They're they're sitting together, and Jesus says to them, you, plural, you together are the salt, that you together are the light. So one of these ideas is not that you have to go and be salt and light all by yourself, but that together, as a community, that we support each other and help each other, pray for each other, challenge each other of how we as a group can be salt and light on this earth together, okay? I want to pause and I want to reflect. Instead of like talking more, I want to ask some questions for us to wrestle with. And I want to be clear. I'm not asking these questions to to shame us or to feel like, oh, we should have been doing that. That, That's not the point of these questions. But I've used this phrase to take a long, loving look at the real. To, to be honest and say, okay, God, what, what really is happening? What could you be calling me to? And what has been happening in the past? Knowing that God loves us, even as we kind of stumble forward in this life. But I wanna ask you some questions. What if, what if regeneration just no longer existed? Like what if if there was like a fire and it just was gone and we all left and like there was no more church called regeneration, there was no more community called regeneration here anymore. What would people in this neighborhood miss? Or who in this neighborhood would miss us being salt and light? And this isn't rhetorical and I don't have all the answers just to be clear. (laughs) Because I don't know all the ways that we do and you do. So this is a real question for us to wrestle with. Who would miss regeneration being salt and light in this neighborhood? Who would grieve that we're gone because they felt loved or cared for or seen or heard, right? Because they heard of the love of God somehow or were shown the love of God. Who, Who would miss us in the neighborhood? Who would mourn that we were not here in this neighborhood? And think about Oakland as a city. Like, who in Oakland would miss us if we were not here? In, in our city, who would grieve? Because the ways in which we were salt and light, the ways that we were loving humans and showing humans the love of God and speaking of the love of God in different ways, like, we, we weren't there anymore. Like, who in Oakland would say, oh, regeneration's not here anymore? They, they loved me. They loved us. Like, they cared for us. And then think about across the world. What people groups across the world in Latin America or Europe or Africa that we're connected to would say, oh, regeneration doesn't exist anymore. They, they were a part of what we were doing. Like what, what groups around the world would say, oh, Regen's not there anymore. They helped us be salt and light in this place. They helped us spread God's love in this place. So on one hand, I I want us to wrestle with, as a body, as as a regeneration, how do we take seriously being salt and light? But the other reality is that as a community, we each have individual, I'd say, spheres of influence in our own lives, right? We don't all go to work together. I mean, that might be fun, right? Right? We could all go to the same job and the same office and be friends, but the reality is we're a community, but you all go different places during the day, right? Like you have a sphere of influence of humans who you interact with every day. And, and you have this chance to be salt and light to the humans who you see every day, whether it's your neighbors or your coworkers or your family, right? Whoever it is that you bump into that I don't bump into And we have these opportunities to be God's hands and feet, to to spread God's love and care and hope. So how do we support each other in that? How do you support somebody who's sitting behind you, who is trying to figure out, how do I love my boss who drives me crazy, right? How do I love my neighbor who needs help? How do we help each other with that? Hebrews 10, 24 says, and let us consider how to stir up one another towards love and good deeds. Let's consider, how do we encourage each other towards love and good deeds in this world? Like if you have a coworker who is really difficult and you feel this sense from God to love that coworker with all the love of God and to pray for them and to care for them, how do people help you with that? Like like where's the space where you can share that and people can help you with that very difficult thing? Like, right, if you have a neighbor who is desperately in need, and you want to love that neighbor and care for that neighbor and share God's love with that neighbor, how, does, how do your people around you help you love your neighbor well? Or if you are someone who has a calling to somewhere in the world and you feel called to, right, to a certain part of Latin America and you care about it, how does region come around you intentionally? And, and can we help each other, support each other, encourage each other with the callings that God has put in our lives. If you're a teacher or a nurse or an entrepreneur or an accountant or a janitor, you're salt and you're light wherever you are. I want to share a thought, and I want to thank Justin McRoberts for the thought. He was our guest worship leader, and he's a really interesting guy and a cool guy, and he, he has really great social media stuff and a podcast and all that. I feel like I'm like his promo guy. But I'm taking this thought from him, and so I want to say that he, he's quoting Michael Frost. And Michael Frost is a kind of missiologist, writes a lot about missional living, and people ask him, like, so what do I care about? He says he gets asked a lot, like, there's so many things wrong with the world, so many people that need God's love, like, what, where do I start? How do I care for my city? How do I care for, I, I don't, it's overwhelming to think about all the ways that I, I could be salt and light. And he said, he, he answers this question by kind of turning it. Instead of what matters most, he says, to whom are you called? Because you, you can't be everywhere. You can't do it all. But, but is there a sense of where is God calling you? Is there a sense of the Spirit calling you? To whom are you called? And who will go with you? Where is God, or to whom is God calling you? And don't leave it there, but, but so who's going to go with you? Who, who's on that mission with you? Who, who's encouraging you? Who, who is with you? Not by yourself. So We're going to close in a minute, but I, I, could you use your imagination? And I want you to picture the scene one more time of Jesus, okay? Can, can you picture Jesus teaching? There's a Sea of Galilee. There's hills and mountains on the side. Jesus goes and he sits down. His disciples come, and then a crowd comes. And I want you to imagine being one of those first disciples. They were really seemingly random people. They they had just been fishing like like a couple weeks ago, right? Like they were just fishing. They were just young people trying to figure it out. Now they're with Jesus. They're sitting in front of Jesus. And Jesus says to this mix of his disciples and then a growing crowd, probably mostly peasant people trying to get by, maybe some of them coming so they can be healed to see what Jesus is teaching. and And they're there. And Jesus says to this group of everyday humans, his disciples and then the crowd, he says, you, you are the salt of the earth. He says to them, you, you are the light of the world. And I wonder, did they believe him? Like, imagine being, you know, you were just fishing and now you're sitting here and Jesus is saying, you are the light of the world. Like, did they believe him? Did they take him seriously or did they think, me? I'm just a random dude who like followed you down here to, you know, to, I'm trying to figure this life out. And Jesus said, no, you, you're the light of the world. Yeah, yeah, you. God's going to use you to bring light to this world on God's behalf with God's power. So you church, you are the salt of the earth. You, church, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others that they see God and see and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So this week, I'm, I'm asking you to wrestle with how do you take some tangible steps towards this in your life? To not leave this in the clouds, but like, what does that look like for you? And this is not an easy answer. This is not an easy thing. But can, you, can we pray? Can we wrestle with God, where are you calling me? And what does it look like to take a step towards what you're calling me to? Maybe it's somebody who already has a ministry here at Regent, and you're like, I've wanted to ask them about it and find out how I can support them, right? It's already there. Or maybe it's God putting a, a calling on you towards a neighbor or a coworker or a people group across the world. But can we pray and say, God, what, what is the calling and who is going to go with me. So, in a moment, we're going to take communion. And actually, Stephanie, if you have the communion stuff now, if, if you don't have communion elements, Stephanie's going to start passing them out. But, but I want us, as we pause and consider communion, I want us to consider that the sacrifice of Jesus is the power that unleashes forgiveness and new life but Jesus also modeled how to live. Amen? Jesus came and said, I have, come for, I have come to lay my life down for humans. I have come to sacrifice my life so that humans can be saved. He, he laid his life down in service to all of us. And so how can we learn from this way of Jesus that gives of his life for everyone else? So this morning, why don't you go ahead and open, open up your elements. We have this, this cracker that represents the body of Christ and this juice that represents the blood of Christ that was given for us out of love, out of forgiveness, So may we be grateful and also look to inspiration for this Jesus who gave his life for humans. So if you haven't, why don't you go ahead and partake of the body and the blood of Christ and pause and be grateful for the sacrifice of Jesus that offers forgiveness and healing and new life and gives us the the power of unleashes the power of God in us to go and be salt and light in this world. God, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness and thank you for your healing, God. And God, may your spirit speak to us, call us, let us hear your voice to go out into this world and to be salt and to be light. Amen.